Good evening. Apologies for my delay. I was trying to get myself hooked up and all the telephone numbers have been changed so I couldn't quite um, couldn't quite get there but I think we're there now. Just before we start, just to give you a rundown, I know it's, I mustn't talk like this but we are coming close to Pesach. So um, we'll continue this weekend with the halachas that we've been learning. In two weeks time there will not be a shi, I'm afraid because uh, duty calls and I've been uh, removed to Poland for a couple of days. So that's in two weeks today that we know Shia will be probably returning from Poland, Be'ezus Hashem. The two weeks after that we'll finish off, we'll round off the, all the shiurim that we have learned. We'll try and go through all the different scenarios that you might meet on a Shabbos and how to, re- how to react through all those scenarios. So today what we want to do is just consolidate the halachas we've discussed with, of a chayla shiyesh Describing, first of all doing chazar on what we learned in the previous year and then going through the different cases which are a chayla shiyesh And then in four weeks time we'll go through all the different Scenarios, be them just mechush ba'alma, be those which are chayli uh, kolaguf, or be those which are chayli shesh v'sakon, which are slightly more regular and and do come up from time to time on a Shabbos, and exactly how one should react in those situations. So let's quickly do a brief chazar of what we learned in the previous year. It's not an extensive chazar. I've cut it down a bit shorter than usual because I am running out of time tonight. I've got a uh, chasna. I'm afraid to run to uh, uh, sh- uh, directly after the shir. So we learned in the previous year chayli shesh v'sakon. That's the chayla who is in danger of his life takes precedence over Shabbos. Shabbos is pushed aside with regards to a chayli shesh v'sakana and we said the passage says the Torah says v'chayi the mitzvahs of the Torah were given in order that you should live with them not to die by them. The only, the only mitzvahs which a person is mechuyev is obligated to give up his life for are the three cardinal averis 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 those only three averis a person is obligated to give up his life for everything else on the country you are obligated to live rather than die and everything else is pushed aside uh, life, all are pushed aside in, in the case of uh, a danger to one's life. The description of a Chayli Shesh is any situation which is life-threatening. So a situation which is directly life-threatening is obvious, and that's a, a situation where, which you must desecrate Shabbos in order to save the person's life. Or if you're in a situation where you don't think it's life-threatening, life-threatening but the doctor says this is a situation of a threat to the patient's life, even though you don't, really, you don't really realize and you don't see it and the patient's not in pain or whatever that may be, the doctor says it, this is a life-threatening situation, you must be Mechal Shabbos, you have an obligation and a mitzvah and a chiv to be Mechal Shabbos. Irrelevant if that doctor is a Jewish doctor or the doctor is a non-Jewish doctor, you must be Mechal Shabbos. You are Mechal Shabbos, you have to desecrate the Shabbos even if the result is not going to be, be that you're going to actually save the life of the patient, you're just going to actually add a few moments to his life. That's enough for us to allow you to be Mechal Shabbos because every moment that a person can live in this world is, uh, is an added advantage, is an, is an added addition to his life which takes precedence over Shabbos. So even if it's only going to be a few minutes again, you do everything you can to save even those few minutes of the person's life. We also explained that you desecrate Shabbos for the sake of a fetus, uh, a fetus which is, which is an unborn child. You, you desecrate Shabbos for an unborn child even though it's not a complete life we can't describe it as, as a living human being, it's only a fetus, but yet, because it's enough of a life for, for us to desecrate Shabbos for, you will do everything you can to prevent any risk to the fetus's life, and you can be Mechal Shabbos. And the same, in the same vein, we explained that you can be Mechal Shabbos for a child, for a baby which is born in the eighth month. In the time of Chazal, a, a baby which was born in, in the eighth month couldn't live. Just couldn't live. It was considered a nephil, and definitely couldn't live. And, and the reason was, the, 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 the uh, Chazal explained, because their lungs were not 
a month matured equally. They, they mature one month by month. So uh, an uneven lungs, unfortunately, does not give the child an opportunity, a chance to live. So in the time of Chazal, a nephew was considered muksa, was considered a person, a child that cannot live, and therefore one couldn't be a Mechal Shabbos Rid, because it anyway wasn't considered a, a true living child. However, in, in, with modern medicine, where we can, and almost all children who are born prematurely survive Baruch Hashem, survive and grow up to, to live perfectly filling lives, they are, we do consider a nephew, we do consider a child born in the eighth month a live person, and we have to do everything we can to continue to save that child's life. We will desecrate Shabbos even for someone who's been negligent with his own life. So somebody who's gone bungee jumping and uh, risk, risked his life uh, and uh, ended up with, uh, I'm afraid, some level of damage to himself, you will still have to give him Shabbos for that person, or a person who just walks off without looking into the middle of the road and gets knocked over by a bus. Irrelevant that the reason and the cause of his injuries are his own negligence and direct negligence, you still have to do everything you can to be Mechal Shabbos and save his life. The same applies to somebody who's given up on life. Unfortunately, people who are mentally ill or people who are elderly and, and given up on life, it's rare, but it does happen. That's irrelevant if they've given up on life. If they haven't given up on life, you must do everything you can to promote and save the life of that person. The same applies that you are obligated to save the life of someone who's not yet in a situation of danger. So, for instance, if a person has a, a, an infection which has started, which has begun to spread around the body, at this stage, in, at this stage of the game, at this point in time, there is no direct danger to, to his life. He's fine, well, he has this infection, but if the infection is left untreated, then the risk is that it'll travel to the heart, or travel to one of the vital organs, and then there will be a risk to his life. You are allowed to now, prior to the actual situation, which becomes, before the situation becomes life-threatening, you are allowed to be Mechal Shabbos in order to prevent that situation of life-threatening. And therefore we explained in the previous year, if there's an epidemic, if there's an epidemic which is broken up in any given area, the, the risk of life is there. You might not be infected with that illness that's spreading, but the risk is there. If you can do everything you can to prevent that, that infection from spreading and traveling around to people who are at the moment healthy, even if it means being Mechal Shabbos, even if it would obligate you, even if it would mean that you're obligated to be Mechal Shabbos, you can do that. That is uh, a chiv which you must do. And we explain the description of an epidemic. When do we actually define that we are in a situation of sakana, even though an epidemic is, is, is a broad word. If uh, an outbreak of, of, as we explained in the previous year, of swine flu uh, broke out in, in, in Newcastle, that doesn't really mean that we are in a situation of danger. And the answer to that was, which the Paskin say, that if you in, a, in, in any given day would immediately go to get yourself inoculated or whatever med- medicine is needed to prevent that infection from reaching you, on any given day you would go immediately to do that, then that's already defined as a situation of sakana. If you would say, look, you know, let me finish the day's work, I'm busy, the office is very busy, I've got so many clients, I'll go later, then it's not an immediate danger. Then we'll come to Shabbos, you wouldn't be allowed to be Mechal Shabbos. And the, the litmus test is, well, how would you react on a non-Shabbos day? It's very convenient to say, well, it's Shabbos and I've got time, so I'll go and do what, what needs doing to prevent this infection from reaching me, but that would be, that, that would be considered Chilul Shabbos if in a weekday, you wouldn't react in exactly the same manner. Similarly, if we have a, a patient who is ill, who isn't in a situation, a direct situation of sarcoma, there could be a, a heart patient or a patient who suffers from a stroke, who at this point in time is not in a direct threat to their life, but 
uh, the patient has decided that they want a certain food to eat and without giving it to them you are going to increase their stress levels or there's something stressful around the patient which is going to increase their stress levels which by the increasing of their stress levels could inadvertently cause the patient to become a, a risk to the life, the heart, the heart disease to, to start flaring up again, the worries of heart attacks, worries of strokes, then again that situation, even though it's not directly linked to the illness that the person is suffering, one will be allowed to be Mechal Shabbos to prevent and ease the stress of that, of that patient. Though I will say to you that modern thinking in, in, in modern medicine is that very little, it takes an enormous amount of stress to actually directly cause a, a, a stroke or a heart attack, etc. We're not talking about a one-off stress or somebody who just fancies a bit of fish and the homeless meal that came was, was uh, spaghetti bolognese, <coughs> which is probably not edible either. I hope that's not on the tape. It has to be a serious level of stress, but if there is that level of stress, that level of, um, of what Chazal called tir of das, a worry that, that the mind is going to take over the body and create a situation of, which is life-threatening, one can again be Mechal Shabbos for that. Of course, if you can prevent the, the life-threatening situation without being Mechal Shabbos, either by asking a non-Jew, or by preparing before Shabbos, or by doing it in a manner which will explain the moment, which does not constitute Chil Shabbos, if the situation is such that by doing it in a, in a, in a manner without Chil Shabbos, by looking for a non-Jew for a few moments, will not in any way advance the risk of this patient's life, then you are obligated to do that. If you are unsure that it might or might not advance the risk to the patient's life, then you mustn't look for a non-Jew. You mustn't search for ways which are not a Chil Shabbos, because then you are again endangering the life of the patient unnecessarily. On the contrary, we have Mechayv to save a life, even if it means desecrating Shabbos. So only in a situation, and only in a situation where you're 100% sure that there is no immediate danger to the life. That means we can wait another five minutes, we can wait another ten minutes, and it's not going to in any way, in any way cause an extra risk to the life, or to advance the risk to the life of this patient, only then can you then go and look for a, a way and means which is not a direct Chil Shabbos, be it by looking for a non-Jew and asking a non-Jew to to uh, administer whatever, whatever medication, whatever reaction is needed, be it that way, be it up to, to do it in a, in a backhanded manner, or in, a, in a, a manner of a shinu, whatever it takes to reduce the Chil Shabbos, you must do that only if there's no direct risk to the life of the patient. And similarly we said, if you, if you can prepare for the uh, a life-threatening situation, as we will discuss a bit later in this year, if you can prepare before Shabbos to prevent a life-threatening situation and therefore prevent Chilul Shabbos, again, you're obligated to do that. So Chilul Shabbos is allowed in a case, in a situation of which is life-threatening, but only if there is no way around it, only if there's a direct worry, a direct threat to the life of the patient, and there's no other way of preventing the Chilul Shabbos. And when we are in a situation where there is a worry that the, the, the patient is, has a direct, direct threat to the life, then you mustn't search for ways to try and reduce the Chil Shabbos, but only when you're convinced and 100% sure that the next 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes is not going to in any way continue uh, or advance the danger to this patient's life, then you should, if you can, look for other means of doing what's needed for this patient without being a Chil Shabbos. As we said again, a, a, a shinui, the, the different, different changes, doing it in a backhanded manner, as, you, as we discussed at length in, in the Kabbalah Shurim ago with regards to a Chaydash Embrace Sakona, that would apply here as well. In a situation where, even though you are 
in a situation where the, the, the threat to the, to the patient's life isn't imminent, where you can and you still have a little bit of time to play. In those situations, you must ask a non-Jew, you must do any action that you're doing in a backhanded manner, in, in, with, in a situation with, a, with a, an approach of a shinui, but you cannot, you cannot and must not ask a non-Jew or use a shinui where the threat to life is imminent. Increasing comfort is, is increasing life. Because a more comfortable uh, patient will, will survive for longer. Yeah, was, so, and that also goes under the banner of a patient who's uncomfortable will, will lose his mind and create stress and advance the, the risk to life. But usually increasing the comfort of the patient is, is increasing the, 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 uh, the health of the patient, even if it's only uh, temporarily. Even if it's only temporarily. So, for instance, if somebody... Just a, a very brief example. If somebody is in a situation where he's in, in, in the vicinity of, of, a, of a person who is at a, a risk or doubtful if he's about, about the beginning of the process of a heart attack, he has pain, he's not sure if the pain is a heart attack or if it's, a, if it's um, uh, just heartburn or whatever it may be, but there is, he has a history of heart disease and there is a, a real risk that what he's starting here is a, a heart attack. You have no right to stand on your... Uh, on, your ha- on, your, on your legs and say, look, well, let's wait a few minutes, see if it's a heart attack, see if it's a uh, heartburn. You must immediately react and do everything you can to make that patient, to, to save that patient's life, even though there's only a risk. And we have no idea. It's only a risk. It's only a chance that what this patient is about to suffer is a heart attack. You must do everything you can. Immediately call that solo, call an ambulance, call a doctor, phone, run, press buttons. It makes a difference. Get into the car and drive. Whatever is needed for, for, this patient to, for this patient's life to be saved on the risk, on the off chance that the patient is suffering a heart attack, and you must do that, you must do everything you can. Of course, if this, this gentleman has a history of being a hypochondriac, and every time he has a little bit of heartburn, he eats, eats his wife's kugel, he, he jumps up and down and screams and shouts, I'm having a heart attack, then that's not really called a Suffolk anymore. That's quite, quite clear that it, it, the chance is, only, is very, very small, and therefore not really a true valid risk to his life. But in an average normal situation, a, a person who's severe pain and there's a worry that this pain is a risk to the beginning of a heart attack or a headache or whatever it may be, which might be a worry that it might be the beginning of a stroke or any other illness which is life-threatening. You must do everything you can without hesitation and without asking, without, without thinking through, should I, shouldn't I, immediately do what you can do to be Michal Shabbos and try and save the, the person's life. Let's go through some different um, situations illnesses and situations which are considered life-threatening and might not be so clear to, to all of us that they are life-threatening but as I said in, in four weeks time we will go through each case not particularly the case that we're discussing today but all the different cases and scenarios which are more practical and come up more, more regularly and, and give you direct answers how to react at, in, in each specific case what we'll discuss today is more general any injury and this is a very clear guideline any injury which is an internal injury or an internal illness is considered life-threatening. So any injury or illness, which is to any internal organ, and I'll list you off all the internal organs, not that I know where they are, so please don't test me, but they include the kidney, the liver, the lungs, the prostate, the stomach, the appendix, the bladder, the, the brain, the gallbladder, the intestines, the pancreas, the prostate, the reproductive organs, the spleen, the thyroid, the vascular system, any internal organ. It doesn't have to be an actual organ, it can be any internal part of the person. If there's any injury to that, to the, to the, in, to the internal organs, or any severe pain in any internal organ, then you must make the assumption that this person is now in a situation of a risk to their life, and you must do everything you can to 
save their life. If a person has a history of gallstones, and the doctors already told them that you, you, you will periodically get very severe pain, but you should know it's only the stones which are causing the pain, you are not in a threat to your life, then that patient is not a chayla sheyesh b'shtakona. She or he might be a chayla kolaguf, because the pain might be very severe, that it's now overtaking the whole body and they are considered ill, but you can't say that they are chayla sheyesh b'shtakona. If, however, we have no clear directive from the doctor that this patient is not in a risk to his life, any severe pain, be it from gallstones, be it any situation that there is a severe pain in an internal organ, or we know that there is an, inj- an injury or an infection in an internal organ, you must do everything you can to prevent and help that, that person uh, uh, heal or do everything you can to save the person's life. Any injury or any infection or illness to any internal organ is considered life-threatening. And that's a follow up and that would be any trauma any injury or any trauma to a person which could result in an internal injury would also be considered life-threatening. So again, if a person uh, had a very hard fall, fell down the stairs and had a very hard fall, there's always a risk to internal injury, a risk to, 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 to damaging the brain, a risk to, to rupturing uh, an internal organ. There's serious risk to an internal injury if, it's a, if, if there's a, a traumatic fall. That would then constitute this patient is now in, in, a, in, in the risk in a situation of risk to his life, and you must do everything you can, call that solar ambulances, whatever it takes to try and prevent any risk to this patient's, to this patient's uh, life. The same would be if a person got involved in a, in, a, in a fight and was hit, was given a hard blow, or was playing cricket in the back garden on the Shabbos and, and was hit by a cricket ball at, at 100 miles an hour, you do everything you can to save that person because a, a traumatic blow, a hard blow like that is trauma and could, could cause internal injury. The same would apply to a knife wound, which is a deep knife wound, which has already gone through to, to the internal organs. All that is a worry, all that is a risk to the person's, the person's life, and you must do everything you can to prevent any further risk. People who have a, a constant disorder, uh, 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 an internal disorder, be it a heart, a heart uh, disorder, or blood pressure disorder, or kidney failure, or any other any disorder which is in, in an internal organ, that person is constantly at the risk of their life. So that person now has two choices. He can prevent that by taking his medication and making sure his medication is there before Shabbos. And if there will be a, a relapse or chas there will be a situation of of where this illness will flare up. They are prepared and they have all the medication, they're ready to take it and they will not need to prevent, and they will not need to be Mechal Shabbos, or they can just not bother, and if Chas Hashanah something happens to be Mechal Shabbos, that patient is obligated, he is, they have an obligation to make sure that they are fully prepared before Shabbos. Every Friday, every Thursday, I would say even Wednesday, because knowing the, 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 the modern health system, you might not get the medication if you don't, don't order it three weeks in advance. Make sure that your tablet is stuffed with any medication that's needed to prevent any situation of reaching life-threatening, life-threatening state. You must make sure that everything is there. If you don't make sure, then you have been negligent. We still have to be Mechal Shabbos if this situation arises, but you must, as we said before, prepare you know, as best as you can for all those situations. So people who have uh, disorders, or whatever the disorder may be, um, uh, we'll see later, the diabetics, or anything like that, asthmatic, anything which can be a serious risk to life, you must make sure that you have your medication there. You're obligated to make sure you have all your, all your medication there before Shabbos. An acute pain in the stomach, irrelevant if it's on the right side or the left side, contrary to uh, public opinion, 
is a risk, could be a risk to a person's life. If it's on the left, it could be a risk of appendicitis. If it's on the right, it could be a ruptured, uh, a ruptured stomach or a ruptured uh, intestine. It could be absolutely anything. A very severe acute pain in the stomach would be considered uh, a risk to life. So if you're in a situation where there is an acute, uh, a sharp acute, suddenly, uh, a sudden pain in the stomach, you must assume, make the assumption that is uh, a danger to the, to the person's life and you'll be Michal Shabbos. If that solid come, the doctor comes and says, no, it's nothing, it's just you've eaten too many uh, almonds on Friday night, fine, Baruch Hashem, you've sorted that one out, you, you, you've saved a life, in, in inverted commas, you've done everything you can to save a life. But we're not talking about a plain stomach ache, we're talking about an acute stomach, uh, acute pain in the stomach, a real sharp, uh, unusual pain, which is, could be a sign of an appendicitis, or could be a sign of something different, something more, a rupture somewhere in the stomach. External wounds are not considered life-threatening. So if somebody cuts themselves badly, we don't normally consider an external wound life-threatening. External wound is usually considered uh, either a mechush, or if it's a bit more serious, maybe uh, a mixus chayli, or if it's really serious, you can even call them chayli kalaguf, but we will not call them life-threatening unless it is pouring with blood. If it's really pouring with blood severely, then we have to worry that you've ruptured uh, one, of the, one of the blood vessels, and that can be a serious risk to life, and therefore you would have to do everything you can to prevent the, uh, to save this, this person's life. I once I knock on my door on, on Friday night, a child just, I just walked through, it was late Friday night, a child just walked through the glass door and uh, they, they were pouring with blood and the answer was immediately pick up the phone and phone out solid because a child walking through a glass door, we have no idea what it's done to the child. We don't know where, whether it's cut any veins, pierced any, any, any uh, blood vessels. We have absolutely no idea. There was a lot of blood around. They called that solid after five minutes they decided it was nothing serious and immediately went back to ask the non-Jew to do all the malachas for you. But it, it, you mustn't take any risks when it comes to external wounds which are bleeding profusely. Again, a broken bone, we discussed this when we spoke about Sakamas Eva. A broken bone is not usually a threat to a person's life. A broken bone is not usually a threat to a, person, a person's life unless, unless it's, a, it's the thigh bone, that means the, the, the in, an injuries at the top of the leg and the femur, where there it can often cause internal bleeding and which is a direct risk to life. Or if you have a, a break which is protruding through the flesh, or something like that, a serious break, and that can also be life-threatening, but a plain uh, break, a broken finger, a broken arm, etc., which is not plain, there's no thing as a plain break, but the, a break which is not in those areas or not as severe as that is not considered life-threatening. And we do consider you a chayli kalaguf, but we do not consider you a chayli masukin. You're not in a situation of, of threat to your life. So you can ask a non-Jew to do all your malachas. You can go to hospital and get a non-Jew to, to set it, etc. But you can't do any malachas directly yourself outside of the rules of chayli uh, kalaguf. Animal bites. Animal bites is... In this country, is less of a risk because uh, we don't have rabies around the countries. Even with foxes, I think there's no rabies around the country. But in America and other places, there is a real risk with an animal bite. So any person who has been bitten by any animal, a skunk, a, a, a fox, or, or a dog, or whatever it may be, you must be Michal Shabbos as soon as you can. And I, I don't, I'm not much of a, 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 not very knowledgeable about the risk of rabies, and I don't know if the risk is immediate or you have time to get to the hospital, etc. But there probably is a quite an immediate risk because not every hospital will have the, the uh, immunizations or the, the, the injections which are needed to, to, um, to prevent the rabies from spreading and, and infecting the body. Therefore, the quicker you get there, the quicker the hospital can react and be able to acquire what's needed. So you are at a risk to life with an animal bite if you're in an area where there's a, where there's a risk of rabies. High temperature. High temperature is a very interesting... A very interesting um, 
uh, situation because we normally, conventionally, we say high temperature is not a risk to life. And Chazal actually say that a temperature, we don't, fever and temperature, we, we do not consider a risk to life. However, there is a disagreement in the modern day poskim at what, what temperature level are we referring to. And Moshe Feinstein uh, writes in one of his chuvas that already when you reach 102, you're considered a Suffolk Chayle Kalaguf, a Suffolk Chayle Masukim, you're considered somebody who's a Suffolk in danger of life. That's a little bit in modern day terms it's probably a little bit pushing it but 104 it's almost agreed across the board that 104 you already are in a situation of uh, a suffered risk to your life and if somebody is in, uh, uh, with a temperature of 104 then if necessary if you don't have the means and, and, and to, to be able to reduce that temperature at home you don't have the panadols you don't have the, the, ch- the children's medicine or you don't have a, a cold water or whatever it may be to be able to reduce the, the, the fever then you are you are allowed to be Michal Shabbos in order to bring that fever down. You can take a temperature of a Chodesh. Yes, it's called a Medidish or Mitzvah. It's called measuring for a Mitzvah, and, and that's permitted on Shabbos. Yes. Don't, not, don't, if you can avoid the modern digital ones, unless you know for sure that, that there's a risk of very high temperature. Uh, you can't get the old ones. Well, if you're worried there's a risk, then you can take the modern, the modern you can use the modern digital one because it's, it do with a shinui, but you can do it because it's a, a risk of a chaydish ish So uh, they, they here you'd have a situation of somebody who's, who you feel has very high temperature that you can be mechal shabbos to to measure and make sure that there's no no direct direct risk to the life. But you really can't get the, the not even in France. Because they're they're dangerous. Because you might you might swallow the mercury. Okay. Yes. Insect stings are not usually uh, dangerous. If you have a, a, a sting from a from a scorpion, if you're in Etisol and you have a sting from a sting from a scorpion, then I would say to you, yes, that's that's sorry. If you have an, if you're allergic to a bee sting, then of course, if you're allergic to a bee sting, then then take your your injection immediately. If you don't. If you can't, then get into, get into a car and run off to the nearest hospital. There's no doubt about that. But the average person, even with an, who are allergic to, to, um, to stings, it's not a direct risk to their life. Bee stings, if you are allergic to them, is a direct risk to their life, but otherwise not. Yes, any allergy, somebody's allergic to peanuts, is a risk to their life. I had a friend who couldn't walk into a kiddish where there were peanuts in, 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 in the kiddish. He was, too, he was allergic and he couldn't breathe. So, of course... It's impossible for us to go through all the scenarios of a risk to the life, but you, you, we're trying to give you just a broad idea of wh- which situations would go under uh, uh, the banner of a chayle mesukim. Childbirth from the onset of labor until seven days after the, 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 the child has been born, the woman is considered in a situation of, of a threat to the life, and when necessary, now it's not always necessary, and usually not necessary, but when necessary, if one has to, one can be Michal Shabbos in order to save their life. Let me give you a list of some, again, it's a list of only some situations which are definitely life-threatening. So as we said, appendicitis, if there's any suffix or any, any doubt that this person is suffering from appendicitis or pain in, in, in the stomach, you may and should, if you have to, be Michal Shabbos in order to get the person to a doctor, get the, the patient to a hospital, so they can ascertain with clarity whether there is or isn't a threat to the person's life. Uh, bleeding, as we said before, a deep cut where they, there's a risk that you've You've punctured a, a, a blood vessel. Again, that's a called a risk to the life. The bone fracture of the, of the thigh is considered a risk. Breathing difficulties, which would go under the banner of all your, of um, somebody who's allergic to, 
to whatever it may be, will be breathing difficulties. Again, without breathing, you can't survive. Any breathing difficulty would be a, a chiv to pick out the phone, call that cell and get the oxygen around as quick as possible. Burns, a severe burn, which can cause the body to go into shock and shut down the, the internal organs, is definitely a, a risk to life. You must do everything you can uh, to, to uh, try and prevent the body from, from going into, into shock. Uh, a diabetic, somebody has a diabetic attack, which uh, is definitely a, a serious risk to their life. Uh, an ear or head injury, you know, ear injury would be if there's blood or fluid coming out of the ear, or a head injury if somebody's badly hit, their, hit themselves on the head where there's concussion and, uh, or, or, or any, any risk to, injure, to, to internal injury to the brain. All that is definitely considered a suffolk, sarcomas nephoshans, and you must do everything you can to, to try and save them. Eye infections, um, of course, uh, if you have conjunctivitis, and you know it's conjunctivitis, that's not a risk to your life, but any serious eye infection, the eye is connected to the heart, and therefore you must uh, uh, take that as a serious risk. Of course, any heart, pains in the heart, is considered a, a direct risk to a person's life. Meningitis, which is, again, very, very uh, high risk to a person's life. Pneumonia, pneumonia is also considered life-threatening, um, any problems of a serious nature during pregnancy, because don't forget we explained that uh, the, the life of a fetus is also considered a, 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 a situation where one can be Mechal Shabbos. So any serious problems which are problematic for the mother or problematic for the fetus, one would be allowed to be Mechal Shabbos. Any seizure of any kind is always considered a risk to the person's life. Any epileptic seizure is always considered a risk to a person's, person's life. Uh, we mentioned before severe stomach pain because an acute stomach pain could be a sign of something um, internal, uh, gone wrong. A stroke is, of course, a, th- a threat. And even a urinary tract infection, if it's severe, can be life-threatening. So again, every situation one's got to understand, one's got to know. If one doesn't know, then take it, assume that, it's a, that you're in a life-threatening situation. If you're sure you're not in a life-threatening, life-threatening situation, you can even be somebody who's suffering from angina or whatever it may be. If you know for sure that's not a life-threatening situation, fine, don't be Michal Shabbos. If you're not sure, then always be Michal Shabbos. And in nearly all these, all these cases, you don't really have time to play with. In most of these cases, you must get to the hospital as quick as you can. You, the quicker you get there, the, the greater the chances of saving the person's life. Be it appendicitis, be it a, a bleeding, or any, any or an internal organ uh, which, has been, which has been affected, any of those, you really must get there as quick as possible. And don't hesitate to try and think, should I or shouldn't I? Whoever hesitates is at a risk of being called a, a murderer, somebody who's taken the life of his fellow friend. You can only be Mechal Shabbos for a non-Jew because of what's, what's known as Evo. Because if they see you being Mechal Shabbos for a Jew and not for a non-Jew, then they will, they, they, they will turn around and hate us. But if you do it on a situation where a non-Jew is in a risk of life, try and do everything with a shinu. But there, there's, there's, there's very little hate. If you can do it with a shinu, Mishum Evo, we allow you to do Malachas with a shinu. So any nurse or doctor who is forced to, to uh, work on Shabbos, which is, it does happen in the early stages of, of training, when you are a trainee doctor, you are sometimes obligated to work in Shabbos, though um, uh, rumor has it that you can legally get out of it. If you want to fight it, you can legally get out of it, but there are many doctors who do go in on Shabbos. Yiddish doctors, we have many in our kehillah who go in on Shabbos. Then they are trained. I mean, we discussed with them beforehand how to, how to go through every procedure with a shinu, to take, to take blood, inject, uh, uh, put the, the, uh, the, the, the uh, drips on, whatever it is, with, with a shinu. They are well trained how to type on the, on the computer. It, it really is a, a training process they have to go through in order to make sure that they are not Mechal Shabbos. Because Mishum Eva, we allow you to do Drabonons, but we don't allow you to do Malachas Horaces. So if you are ever passing an accident on the street and you need to, because of Eva, and you need to be Mechal Shabbos, always do it with a shinu.
included in being Mechal Shabbos would be driving, as we mentioned in the previous year, and driving the, the patient to the hospital if that's the quickest method of getting them there. If waiting for that solo, waiting for, for uh, an ambulance I, 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 in an area where there's no solo and the ambulance will take time to get there, then you get in the car and you drive as quick as you can to the hospital. You don't worry about doing unnecessary maneuvers unless you are an experienced driver and know that you can cut down on certain maneuvers in order to reduce the amount of Chol Shabbos. But if you're not sure, then you're probably going to delay your, the, the, the time of you arriving at the hospital, which in, in effect is going to delay the treatment being administered to this Chol You mustn't therefore take that into account. If you are a, a Grand Prix driver and you know how to turn the corner without braking, then do so, because then you're minimizing the amount of Chol Shabbos. But do not do anything silly if you are not experienced. If when you get there, let me just finish this, 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 this piece and I'll come to you. If you just, when you do get there, I know it's illegal, but you have no right to switch off the car, even to shut the car door. You have no right to switch off the engine. You have no right to park the car in the parking lot because you are doing a malacha on Shabbos, which is then not necessary to save a person's life. There are problems here with worries of sakona, not sakona, hefsed moment. If you leave your car running, somebody might come and run off with it. There are risks, and if you are worried about that, then, then you go down the head or you'll have to ask Anandri to park the car for you in order to prevent a hefsed moment. But outside of that, you are obligated to park the car, to stop the car outside the hospital, jump out, and take the patient inside and just leave your car running. It, they'll move, believe me, they'll move it for you. You couldn't take the key. There's no head to carry. No head at all. So you can ask Anandri to bring it inside for you if you're worried about hefsed. But that's only if there's a serious worry. Uh, even if you are arrested for it, you explain to them, you will get off with very, very little. You might have a little fine, but you're not going to, be, you're not going to sit in prison. If you do, you do get a, a prison sentence, come to me and I'll try and work you out of it. No, 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 because in Atsala there's, there's no more people involved. There's really, the, the, the main chil shop is done by the non-Jew. You are far better off to call that solo because they're trained, they, they, they know what they're doing, they, they, will, they will be Mechal Shabbos less because they know exactly what they have to do and when, when to do it and when not to do it. Uh, there's always a risk of a person driving it, a ill person themselves, because they'll panic, things will go wrong, and, and, and it's not that you'll worry about your car at the end or the other end. There's too many, it's only really in a worst case scenario that you should drive a car yourself. If you do manage to get the Atsala to come, you are allowed to uh, uh, allow someone to accompany the ill person. The ill person is not obligated to go to hospital on his own. You can accompany them in the ambulance to, to give them the, the ease of mind, the peace of mind that there's somebody there who's going to help them and look after them. Of course, calling a telephone, don't hesitate. All the halachas that we discussed in the previous showroom of how you should phone and what you should phone, etc., etc., don't apply here. You pick up the phone and you phone the, the Atsala, you phone the ambulance, you say exactly what's needed. Of course, don't have a conversation with the, just because you happen to know the person on the other end of the line, the, the, the woman who's attending the, the, uh, the Hatsala line, you can't have a conversation with her, you give her the information, the relevant information, and that's it. You don't need to put a phone down unless Hatsala says, please put it down because we can call you back, as we explained. But don't hesitate, no shinu, don't try and take off with a piece of string the, 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 uh, the phone hook or press it with a, with a, with a back of a spoon. Just phone in a normal manner because every second counts when it comes to saving a person's life. If you have a choice of calling two doctors, a Jew or a non-Jew, of course, if the Jewish doctor is more experienced, then there's no doubt you call the Jewish doctor, even though that's going to mean Chilul Shabbos, whereas a non-Jew, it won't mean Chilul Shabbos. You always call the Jewish doctor. If they're both of equal, they're both of equal expertise, both professionals, both consultants, both 
to experienced doctors, then of course call the non-Jew. Why call the Jew when you're going to cause Khilul Shabbos? We are not worried that a, Jew, a non-Jewish doctor will not do as good a job in today's society where a doctor is monitored and a doctor will be taken to task and can lose his license for not doing everything he can to save the patient's life. We consider even a non-Jew to be equal in saving the life of a person as, as much as a Jewish doctor. If you have two, two doctors which are both Jewish, but one is from a Shemotai and one is not a Shemotai Mitzvah, and here's a very interesting sack which the modern passing of Shemotai Zalman came out with, and he said, then you're better off calling somebody who's a Shemotai Mitzvah. And he said, the reason is like this, because the Shemotai Mitzvah, when he comes, is doing it because there's an ill person on Shabbos, and I'm doing it the Mitzvah to save this ill person. The, sh- the Mitzvah of saving this person will push, allows him to push away the Shabbos. The non-Jew... He has no, no interest if you're from, not from, if you're Jew, if you're not Jew. He's quite happy to be Michal Shabbos. So he hasn't got the intention of being Michal Shabbos for the right reason. Though it's true that he's not actually being Michal Shabbos for a wrong reason, because in effect he is being Michal Shabbos to save a person's life, but since his intention isn't right, what he's doing is considered an Aveira. And that's what says Hashem is only you're far better off to call a from doctor than to call the non from doctor. But of course, if the non from doctor is better, or if there isn't a from doctor around, then you always go for the non-from doctor. Don't hesitate. And finally, a very interesting halacha, which comes under the banner of Chayla Mesukan, is if you, have a, if you have a child that's been locked into a room, yeah, a child gone into the toilet and shut, uh, shut the bolt or locked the door, and there's no way you can get the, the child out, the, the, uh, the door's locked, you haven't got the, one of these safety locks that you can open from the outside, which you always should have if there's children around the house, um, and they bolted the door, the bolt was too low, always moving it to a higher position, but you can happen where there's a, a child locked into a, into a room of Shabbos. Halacha says clearly, uh, a child in a locked room can panic, and the panic of a child can be a sakana for the child. Do not hesitate, do not wait, do not pick up the phone, do not go around to a rock to ask, just break the door down. Uh, it's not very difficult to break a door down, a big push will, will, will either break the lock, or break the, the wood that's holding the lock. They're not very, very strong. Break the door down. Don't ask questions. It's called a situation of Sakona. Don't try and post the uh, Haribos through the underneath of the door to try and placate the child. It's not necessary. Just break the door and take the child out. That's considered a situation of Sakona. So I think we get a, a, a broad idea of what's considered. What's considered uh, if you don't know what Haribos are, you, you have my admiration. <laughs> <coughs> I think we have a very broad idea of what, what goes under the banner of a chayle shiyech, chayle and how to be Michal Shabbos and how not to be Michal Shabbos only in a situation where you are definite and sure that it's not an immediate danger. There's no immediate danger. Otherwise, you, are, you must do everything you can to save the life of that chayle, to do everything you can to make sure that the life of this person is in the safe hands and will be treated and the risk to his life can be prevented. As we said in four weeks' time, we will go through some scenarios from the easy to the more difficult and give you direct answers exactly what you should do in each situation. Just to finish off with a very short vatayah, because I must run to this, uh, to this hasna, a very short vatayah. This week's passage starts off with uh, the few psukim which describe how Kalisrol should make the oil for the manaya. Shemen, lamai, kosis, it's got to be pounded in order that the oil should be totally pure. And Rashi says, Shemen Amoy Kosis is Shemen Amoy. Only the oil for the menorah was pounded, but the oil for the menachis, for the, uh, the, the uh, offerings that were brought up in the base of Migdash, the flower offerings that were brought up in the base of Migdash, which also had oil included in them, that oil didn't have to be pounded. That oil could have been ground in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a mill. It could have been ground by machinery, and that's fine. Now, the Yachreinim, the Mephashim, explain that in truth, and it's a tremendous musa here for us. In truth, there's very little difference between the oil which has been pounded and oil which has been grounded. You can 
purified, you can take the oil which has been grounded and sieve it, and you will end up with exactly the same pure oil that you will, you will get when you pound. When you pound a, 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 an olive, you will, you, all that comes out is the oil, the sediments, and all the other bits of the olive will remain inside. When you grind it, it's completely mixed, together with the rest of the olive. You can sieve it, and you will end up with a fine, pure, beautiful olive oil, exactly the same as when you, when you pound it. But yet, the oil from Manoir, which represents Tayr, which represents our, our, our focus, the focus of our life, can only be pounded and mustn't be ground. Because, and the message here is, is a beautiful message, the Torah is telling us that when it comes to our Vedas Hashem, we've got to try and emulate the oil of the Manoir. We've got to try and pound it rather than grind it. That it should be pure from beginning to end. Even if the end product, it will be a pure product. The mitzvah will be a pure mitzvah at the end. But if the process isn't pure, you're tainted You've tainted that mitzvah. You've tainted your avodah to the Rebbein Shalom. Shem and Lakos is the, the oil for the, for the menorah must be totally pure from beginning to end. And that's how we should focus and how we should view our life's avodah to the Rebbein Shalom. Try and do everything we can. Our, our, our shmitzah, the shmir Shabbos, or shmir shmitzah, our tefillah, our limotayah, whatever it may be, should be the oil, equivalent to the oil of the menorah, pounded rather than ground pure, right from the beginning to the end. And with that approach, with that, we can attempt to do that, and we try and attempt to do that, eventually we give a Shafti Shmai, we will be there to see the light of the Manoir with the pure oil in the BSI girls, and here we are, Amen.